Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bright Morning Podcast. I'm Elena Aguilar. So, folks, this is the first episode of our four week special that we're calling How to Feel Better. This is a special program that is created for and relevant to anyone. Educators, parents, family, friends, community members, anyone can benefit from this program. Four weeks, every day, Monday through Friday, I will be releasing a special mini podcast episode that will guide you through an activity or an exercise for the day. On Mondays, you'll receive the packet of activities or exercises for the week if you have signed up. So if you have not yet signed up, please follow the links in the show notes so that you can sign up and get this week's packet and the packets for the forthcoming three weeks. So I want to just jump right into this again. Make sure you've signed up that you have subscribed to the podcast and so you can get my daily episodes. And also be sure to follow us on Instagram where I will be doing occasional lives and connecting with all of you around your experience and the experiences in this program. All right, let's jump into day one. When I think about the last year of this pandemic, we're at the year mark now, Some of the times I think about the phases of this year. And when I think about these phases, I recognize that they were a mirror for the emotions that I was experiencing at the time. So one of the first phases that I remember when we went on lockdown, shelter in place here in the Bay Area in California was what I recall to be the ice cream phase. More specifically, the lion bed, eat ice cream, and binge whatever show I was watching that week. That was followed by the gin and tonic phase. The sort of like, we're going to hell, this is all just lion bed and drink gin and tonic. Well, okay, let me clarify, after work in the evenings, and maybe on the weekends. And then there was the ice cream and gin and tonic face and being in my bed watching shows. That was March, April. It is a little bit of a blur. I'll be honest with you, the gin and tonic face didn't last too long because I really don't drink much. I don't really like the feeling all that much. And I have a lot of history of alcoholism in my family. So I've always been very cautious. So I stopped that phase and the ice cream phase because I'm not real good with lactose. Then there was this phase of, okay, I bought a membership to my yoga studio and I'm going to do classes every day. That was a short phase and that was connected to the phase of, I don't want to leave my house. Then there was the phase of socializing on Zoom is so much fun and I can catch up with old friends and family. And then there was kind of quickly, I'm over socializing on Zoom. Um, I had a phase where I was like, I'm going to share 21 strategies to build your resilience on Instagram, 21 days of building resilience. And that went pretty well for the first 12 or 13 days. And then 
I hit this. I have no reason. I'm not feeling resilient. Okay, empty. And I kind of hit pause on that campaign. There was the phase of I can't sleep. There was the phase of I'm crying a lot. There was a phase when I was tracking my anxiety every day on a scale of one to 10. And I invited my husband to do this with me also. And in the mornings and at various points in the day, we'd say to each other, what's your number? What's your number? As a quick way to like check in, how's our anxiety? This was also connected to the I can't sleep phase, which was in part sort of, I think late last spring having spring allergies, but every time I sneezed or coughed, I know you know what I thought because we've all been in this together. Or hearing my husband or my son sneeze or cough and thinking, well, you know what I was thinking because we're all in this together. So there was this one to 10 scale of anxiety thing. And I remember passing my husband in the kitchen one morning and I was like, what's your number? And he said, mm, three or four. And then he said, what's your number? And I said, uh, eight or nine. And he said, really? I said, yeah, really, eight or nine. I'm really at an eight or nine. Last spring, last summer was rough. But so I keep thinking about this year and all these phases and the latest phases. But what's wild is, I mean, this feels wild, is that the last maybe four to six weeks, all of these like phases and emotions have been coming faster and faster. Like in one day, I notice I'm just experiencing these intense moments of anxiety, fear, grief, sadness, hope, excitement, energy. It's like, it's coming fast. And so a couple of weeks ago, I noticing this said to myself, okay, stop, stop. I think I was in my kitchen again. Stop and tune into them. Turn towards these emotions, this inner hurricane. Stop running around like the house is on fire. Turn inward and feel. What's their primary texture? Are they pleasant or unpleasant? I talked to myself a lot. So I said, can you describe them? Are there some words that might be able to encapsulate some of them? I'm a coach. I coach myself. And as soon as I did this, as soon as I turned inward and felt my emotions, I felt a tiny bit better. I felt this like moment of relief, perhaps a like softening in my chest a little bit more spaciousness in my chest. I could, I felt like I could breathe. And even telling you this right now, I realize I'm breathing. Um, you know, here's why it's as soon as we turn inward, look at something that's happening, the intensity of it dissipates just a little bit. We, we kind of see it like this hurricane of emotions, perhaps as something maybe inside of us, maybe outside of us. There's a way in which just bringing attention to it and seeing it as something, putting some words to it, pleasant, unpleasant, allows us to recognize that it is not us. It's not taking us over. 
it or these emotions aren't consuming us, perhaps we get a, a sense, a reminder that we are not our emotions. Our emotions are, they come and they go, but we are not them. And often what can happen is that that awareness can lead towards a little tiny opening of curiosity. We might sense or perceive on the horizon, on the periphery, a little tiny bit of curiosity. Okay, I'm going to come back to curiosity in a second. I'm going to tell you more about curiosity, but I just realized something. Okay, this program that you've signed up for, thank you. I'm so excited you signed up for this, is called How to Feel Better. I realized I could have just called it How to Feel because I know that if we all felt more often, more deeply, if we were able to feel with more clarity about what we were, are feeling, we would feel better. I could have just called this how to feel because many of us walk around ignoring our emotions, suppressing them, staying busy or numbing ourselves to our emotions. And that actually takes a lot of energy. So I say many of us, that includes me. I, for my job, for my work, I listen to a lot of people. This is what I hear that so many people have been doing in this last year. I listen to family and friends. And again, many of us don't actually know how to feel. How do we do this, this feeling emotions thing? Again, at least for myself, this is still an area in which I am learning. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that a lot. But right now, I want to jump back to curiosity, which is an emotion. Now, the thing that's fascinating about curiosity is that when we feel curious, our body produces dopamine. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that makes us feel good. And by the way, you can also boost your dopamine levels by getting enough sleep, by exercising, by listening to music, by meditating and sitting in the sun. There's many ways to boost our dopamine. Dopamine makes us feel good. And the emotion or the state of being curious produces dopamine. So let me ask you to do this right now. Try this, okay? I want you to recall a time when you felt curious about something. If you want to, or if you can, actually close your eyes and try to remember a time when you felt curious. Maybe when you were in a new place, maybe you were traveling, or you met a new person who you liked, or, or you just like went to a restaurant, everything sounded good. Can you recall one of those times when you felt curious? And now see if you can recall the sensation of curiosity, maybe in your body. What did it feel like 
to feel curious? What did it feel like in your body? For me, curiosity is a sensation in my body of actually relaxation, softening, opening. Maybe I have a sense of inclining or leaning forward. There's almost this low buzz or low hum of excitement. Can you sense curiosity in your body? And if not, that is okay. That's totally normal to not be able to pick up on those sensations. It might be something you just remember and perhaps bring some awareness to next time you notice, ooh, I'm feeling curious. Pause and see what it feels like. See if you can sense anything in your body. And if not, again, it's okay. So again, when you feel curious or even just now remembering feeling curious, your body produces dopamine. And here's something I want you to know about this Feel Better program. I have created it based on a lot of research and knowledge about our bodies and our brains and about us as social creatures, us human beings. And sometimes I'll share little bits of that knowledge with you because I think it's fascinating. And because I also want you to know why I'm suggesting that you do something. Often when we have knowledge about the why behind an action, we can feel more compelled to do it. And so I'm not just going to make hokey self-care suggestions, self-help suggestions. I'm going to make suggestions for things I know work. I believe in science and I believe in all kinds of things as well as science, but the science of feeling better is deeply integrated into this program. So that's one reason why I want you to feel curious about your emotions, because when you can look at your emotional landscape with curiosity, you're going to start feeling better, physically better, that dopamine, it's going to flow, you're going to feel better. Okay, listen, I want to just pause for a second in this day one of how to feel better and do a quick introduction of myself, because some of you might have signed up at the invitation of a friend or a family member, someone you know who has done some learning with me before, and maybe you're brand new to who I am, what I do. So let me just introduce myself briefly. As I said, my name is Elena Aguilar. I am a writer. I'm the host of a podcast. I am a teacher. I taught children for many years, and now I have taught adults for many years. I am the founder and president of Bright Morning Consulting, which is a small organization committed to helping folks learn, learn together, learn for the sake of learning, for the sake of the world, for the betterment of our society, our world, our communities. I am a mother. I have a 17-year-old son. I am the partner of an artist. I am a creator myself. I have two cats. I live in Oakland, California on the traditional and unceded territory of the Ohlone people. A little bit about myself. I 
help people show up as their best selves. I've been a coach for many years. I've written six books about coaching and team development and about emotional resilience and about how we can create equity in our schools and organizations. I talk a lot about emotional resilience and emotions and connecting with other people. And I also talk a lot about race and racism and history and oppression and our socio-political identities, emotions and race. I talk a lot about that intersection right there. Race and racism, that's also sometimes in many places a taboo topic. Emotions are taboo, race is taboo. I talk about those things because I know that actually we would feel better if we talked about all of this. Those topics also require a lot of energy to suppress thinking about and talking about. So I don't want you to be alarmed if you hear me venture into this territory. I am all about self-knowledge, self care, inner growth. And I'm also all about caring for our community, our world, other people. So I talk about both. Our liberation, our freedom, our happiness is deeply connected to our ability to look at our histories, to free ourselves from our histories, to take responsibility for our histories. I talk about both. Okay, I want to get back to why you're going to feel better if you are curious about your emotions. To do this, I'm going to go on what might, for a second, seem like a little tangent, but it isn't. So in general, many of us are afraid of our emotions. But let me get clear on something. We have been socialized to fear emotions. In the United States where I live and in most of the developed world, in many countries that were colonized by Europeans, we have been socialized to fear emotions. In fact, in many countries that were colonized by anyone. So follow this for a minute so I can explain. So, all right. If you are a ruler or a king, or an emperor. You are someone with tremendous power. You belong to a dominant group. And let's say you want to take over, take over lands, take over people. If you are after greed and power, then you have to use a whole bunch of ways to acquire and maintain that power. You have to use physical violence. You have to use all kinds of ways, including spreading beliefs and making people believe those beliefs. One of these beliefs has to be that feelings are dangerous and suspicious, that feelings are untrustworthy, that they are inferior than something else. Having feelings is less than, inferior, makes you smaller than someone who does not have feelings. That feelings are things that weak people experience, that inferior people experience and express, that feelings are not worthy. Okay, 
So if you are a ruler or a king, you actually have to spread this belief. You have to perpetuate this mindset that emotions are bad, that people should not have them. And you've got to believe it yourself. Okay, follow me here. This, I hope, will make some sense. So this is the reason why rulers have to spread this belief. The belief, emotions are bad. Do not have them. Okay, this is the reason. It does a couple of things to other people, messaging this. First, it cuts us off from having a healthy relationship with our body. Because our bodies and our emotions are inextricably connected. You cannot separate out a physical experience from an emotional experience. And we're going to unpack that in this program. So if a ruler wants to take over people, wants to, let's say, work them to death and exploit their labor and so on, then that ruler definitely has to make sure that people detach from their physical experience. Both the people who are being worked to death and the ones who are doing the working to death of other people. Okay, keep following me here. This king, ruler, emperor has to make sure that people detach from the physical experience and the the related, the connected emotional experience has to make sure that people detach from the grief and the outrage and the heartbreak. The ruler has to make sure that the people doing this nasty work of enslaving others and forcing them to work, stealing their land and so on, that those people have detached from their emotions and their bodies. Because, okay, let's say for a moment that the Spanish conquerors were in touch with their emotions. So when they arrived in the Americas, in the lands of my indigenous ancestors in Central America, if those conquerors had sensed their own empathy, had sensed, had been in touch with their empathy, with their love, they would not have been able to rape and murder my ancestors. If they had been able to see themselves in the other, to feel their pain and suffering and fear, the conquerors would have felt guilt, shame, empathy, connection, and the whole colonial project of European royalty would have crumbled. Those conquerors would have collapsed in tears. They would not have been able to do what they did if they had been able to sense their emotions. But they had cut off from them for many reasons. They wanted they wanted, they wanted, they were driven by greed. They had internalized the belief that emotions are weak and inferior. Now, the colonized 
my indigenous ancestors, and later those who were colonized around the world who were enslaved, they also had experiences with their emotions. Not everyone completely took on these beliefs that emotions were not to be expressed, experienced, and felt. There was resistance. There was always resistance. And the conquest of the Americas and the enslavement of Africans was possible in part because human beings disconnected from their emotions. Because those who held power, who had held power for thousands of years at that point, said emotions are bad. And that is a gross simplification of history, of course, but that is what happened. And I could go on and on talking about this, but you didn't sign up for a history class. I know that. What I want you to know is that our fear of emotions, our dislike of them, our lack of knowledge about our emotions, which is at the core of what it means to be a human being, has to do with the systems of oppression that have been grinding their invisible gears for thousands of years. And so here's what I want you to know. If you turn towards your emotions, if you are willing to look at them and learn about them and understand them and befriend them, you are taking a powerful stand against oppression. You're going straight into the core and straight to the root of how these systems of oppression function. And you are saying, I'm not going to play by those rules that I'm not allowed to know myself, that I'm not allowed to look at who I am. I am going to know all of me. By exploring and experiencing and expressing your emotions, you are taking a powerful stand against oppression, against patriarchy and capitalism and white supremacy and racism. Emotions have been colonized. And we're now at the final frontier where we can embrace our emotions, where we liberate them. So are you with me? Are you ready to decolonize your emotions? Are you ready to explore what freedom might be? This, this is actually the subject of one of the books that I'm working on right now. I'm in the midst of writing four books at the same time, and one of them is called Decolonize Emotions. So you're getting a sneak peek at some of that content through this program. Okay, let me get back to curiosity and what you can do today to decolonize your emotions, get curious about your emotions, and feel better. Today, start noticing what comes up for you around this whole idea of your emotions and curiosity about your emotions. What comes up for you around this idea of turning inward to look at how you're feeling. Just 
that level of curiosity about the emotions around emotions is going to help you feel better. You know, you might actually be afraid of exploring emotions. And maybe what I'm suggesting is making you feel really uncomfortable. If you are having that awareness that you're uncomfortable about looking at your emotions, that's actually really good. It's great. So can you now get curious about that discomfort about getting curious about your emotions? What is coming up? What are the thoughts? What are the feelings? What are the physical sensations related to the awareness of getting curious about being uncomfortable about getting curious about your emotions? And you know, if you're afraid of emotions, even just a little tiny bit, that is totally normal. I'm afraid of my emotions. I am too. Again, in part because I have been socialized to fear them. That's that history lesson I just gave you. But also because emotions are big and scary and sometimes they get so big and scary and I feel like I don't know what to do with these feelings. They're so big and scary. What do I do with my rage? What do I do with my grief? How? What do I do with this fear? It's okay. We'll explore that, all of that. There's another reason why I'm afraid of my emotions. And I want to tell you about that too, just in case you share this. Because I am afraid sometimes that they will grow into something that I can't influence or control or do anything about. I am afraid of depression. I'm afraid of anxiety. I'm afraid of when emotions get so big that they become an illness. And... I've learned and I've experienced how emotions can turn into moods and moods can stick around for a long time and can become something that need and deserve medical attention. And I don't want to suggest that I'm pathologizing emotions. That has been done. It's something else. It's different than what I'm talking about right now. And it's worth unpacking what it means to pathologize pathologize emotions. Right now, I'm talking about when the body stops producing enough dopamine or serotonin and we become depressed or produces too many neurotransmitters that contribute to anxiety. And this can happen to any of us at any time. And as I hope we all know, there are many kinds of treatments, both pharmaceutical and otherwise, for depression and anxiety and other mental health challenges. We're going to explore emotions this week and next. Step one of how to feel better is to look at your emotional landscape. Step two is to explore emotions. But this is really important. I want you to know a little bit about depression and anxiety and how it manifests so that you can be on the lookout for signs and symptoms of those things that you might deserve more support with. 
so you can be on the lookout for signs and symptoms of depression and anxiety. And even if you have never experienced depression or anxiety in your life, there is such a thing as situational depression or situational anxiety, which can happen when you experience a trauma or when you go through a global pandemic and everything changes. So friends, in your packet for today, your first resource is called Keeping an Eye on Mental Health. And it's a self-assessment tool to help you understand depression and anxiety and to know some of the signs and the symptoms. And I want to encourage you to take this self-assessment, use it for yourself, and it also may be helpful to know this information when you think about folks that you love and care for. I'm sure you are aware that rates of depression and anxiety have skyrocketed in the last year. I want you to be informed. For the rest of today, friends, I want you to invite you to just start getting curious about your emotions about emotions in general? What do you want to know? Can you sense curiosity in your body? Can you recall sometimes when you felt curious? Just get curious about curiosity. It feels good. It actually might help you feel a little bit better today. All right. Tomorrow, I will be back here with a short podcast episode. The rest of the ones for this week will be maybe around 10 minutes. And I'm going to give you some suggestions for how to engage with the second exercise for this week. So in the meantime, I would love to hear from you on social media. I really want to connect with you there as you go through this program. I want to know how you are thinking and feeling about curiosity today. What does curiosity feel like to you? What are you curious about? What did this podcast episode make you curious about? I want to ask you to do this for a couple of reasons. It'll help us feel like we are in community with each other. And that will help us make help us feel better. I want to invite you into a place where you might be able to comment kindly on each other's posts, to build community with each other, to share about your experiences. This will help us relieve some of the loneliness we've been feeling through this pandemic. And it's gonna feel good to connect. Be sure to tag us, use the hashtag FeelBetterBMC. I'll see you there. And I'll see you back here tomorrow in this podcast. Now, folks, a couple of reminders, final, final reminders. If you found this helpful and you want to invite someone else into this program, share this episode with them, share the packet, encourage them to sign up, share our social media posts, invite someone in to do this program with you, or just let them know. And also, if you found this episode meaningful, I want to ask you please to hop over to Apple Podcasts and 
just rate and review the podcast. It really, really helps us to get the word out. I really want to help you feel better. I want to help you feel better so that you can claim the life you want, so that you can live the life you want, so that you can help to create the kind of world that I know we all want to see, one characterized by love and joy and freedom and justice and connection. All right, friends, I'll see you back here tomorrow. And just so you know, this podcast is produced by Leslie Bickford and Stacy Goodman. And Stacy Goodman does the sound engineering. Take care, everyone.